0: This is Mission.org. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Marketing Trends and the Leads
1: Art weak. Welcome to Marketing Trends. I'm your host, Jeremy Bergeron, the Vice President of Media Strategy at Mission.org. And this is the show where twice a week, you'll get VIP access into the hearts and minds of some of the most influential marketers in the world. On Marketing Trends, we'll do two things. We'll go deep on a human level, and we'll go even deeper on the nitty gritty of what makes for the most successful marketers and strategies today. I'm glad you're here. Now let's get into it. Online shopping has exploded in the last year with so much to choose from at the click of a button many online merchants are finding the need to help consumers narrow down the options and find what they really want. Saksham Sharda, creative director and CIO of Outgrow is here to help consumers with decision fatigue, while at the same time, helping vendors get to know who is looking at their website.
0: The hardest part of the job is negotiating with developers. It is absolutely unnecessary. It is energy draining. The market does not favor your skills of coding or how great a developer you are. What the market favors is creativity because the market can easily hire developers. They're easily available in different continents for different prices. What is not easily available is creativity. And creativity is something that shouldn't get boggled down in arguing with dev.
1: No-code tools such as Outgrow are valuable in social commerce. With consumers looking for answers at all hours of the day, chatbots and other questions that lead you down a path towards what you're actually looking for to help remove the decision fatigue many consumers are facing as they just try to simply find what they want. On this episode of Marketing Trends, Saksham and I go deep on the relationship between developer and marketers and how a cohesive relationship can get products to market faster. Saksham also explains how traceable campaign testing is helping marketers level up their strategy. Enjoy. Hey everybody, my name is Jeremy. Welcome to Marketing Trends. I'm super excited to have Chief Marketing Officer, Chief Information Officer for Outgrow Saksham Sharda. Welcome to the show.
0: Thanks for having me on, Jeremy.
1: Super excited. We were just talking about how if anyone Googles your name, um, <laughs> there is a ton of places you can hear from Saksham. He's done podcasts, he's on YouTube, um, he's kind of internet famous. If you look, if you Google this guy's name, he's sharing a lot of stuff and you can kind of see years back, you know, you going back and sharing some of the things that were important and relevant to you back then. And so I'm honored that you have taken the time to be on the show. And sometimes I'll have marketing leaders here that have like a more business background, and then they've become the, the, the head of marketing or they'll come from, like in your case, maybe a more technical aspect, and then they become, you know, a marketing leader. So I I think that's a good place to start, Saksham, is to give context to our listeners who are other folks like you, other leaders across industries who will listen to this, where did it start for you in terms of marketing? When did, when did that marketing itch first want to get scratched for you, right? Were you, was there a campaign or a particular company that really kind of grabbed you because you seem to have gone really certainly towards the marketing tech world, and, but where did that start for you? Where was the beginning of that for Saksham?
0: Uh, I think it's like an interesting question because I always find that the term marketing in itself is such a vague term. It's like, you know, you just, it's like, I don't know whether it's a gerund, but there's a term in English for it when you add ING to a place where it's not supposed to be. So like marketing, or you can say salesing, but that doesn't really differentiate it much from the word market itself. So I feel like marketing is in itself a very Nebulous category, and no one is born like you don't. If you go and ask kids in a high school today and you ask them what they want to be when they grow up, no one actually says a marketer because no one really knows what that means, right? Uh, so, <laughs> so it's an interesting question when you said that where did that itch kind of originate in me, and I think it's because it didn't exist as a professional choice, and somehow I figured out this is what I like to do. And this is basically started with, I was in charge of uh, social trends. I'm into psychology and social trends and all of that. So that's what I was doing initially for Outgrow. I was the social trends manager and I was just looking at trends. And this was like, you know, when Instagram was just like, you know, coming into shape. So at that point of time, I was a social trends manager and I was just trying to see how we can like, you know, use social media to own an advantage. And that kind of like it started with that and eventually I got into marketing somehow. I can still not define what marketing actually is. And I'm not even sure uh, what part of my job is strictly marketing, but it is mainly marketing because it's so expansive. Everything is marketing. And that's the thing about it. Since everything is the market, like the market in our uh, society is all pervasive. In that sense, I also feel marketing is also all pervasive. It goes through sales. It goes through you know, uh, the marketing department, advertising, creatives, all of it is, I think, under the umbrella of marketing, yeah.
1: Cool. No, yeah, I, I I like, I think it's cool because we were just talking a little bit about kind of how you got into the space. And I want to just for, for context, share, just if you could describe your role as kind of CMO slash CIO, because that's interesting, of Outgrow. What is your role? What are you responsible for? Tell us what's going on at Outgrow.
0: Uh, so I think the... Uh, merging of these two roles is kind of possible in the current no-code environment that we live in. All the tools you see out there, and especially Outgrow in itself, Outgrow is an all-in-one interactive content builder. So you can build quizzes, calculators, any kind of thing you need for your marketing, chatbots, if you need to make contests to engage your audience. You don't need coders or developers. You just go on a software and you just build that. So that is what kind of like... Add so much to my role because every time I need to like do a marketing campaign or a marketing strategy, I use our own tool. I don't actually have to go to developers to make a landing page. I don't have to go to anyone. I can actually realize my, my own idea from scratch. So it's actually very easy from self for someone with like any kind of background, whether it's like technical or not technical to do marketing in the current no code revolution that we're going through. So that is basically what I do. I basically uh, go around looking at the entire company. I think of new ideas as to what we can do internally to make the company run smoother. And also externally to do all sorts of campaigns. We've done campaigns on product hunt. we like multiple times. We have like reached the top five on product hunt. Uh, we do all sorts of PR campaigns. We do Harrow helper reporter online, all sorts of campaigns. Like we've got our fingers in too many pies. So that's what I do.
1: I love it. Yeah, then the, this no-code solution is something that I'm beginning to see across industries too. We've had folks that are big B two B SaaS enterprise companies that have this no-code solution down to these kind of fast growth companies like yourself. Even before hopping on the show, I hopped on Outgrow and I started to create. First, I created a quiz, an outcome quiz that took me 20 minutes. Which I go, I, I rewind the tape, and I, if I would have had to find a developer or you know interview the developer, look at their portfolio, try to find the right one. Well, in twenty minutes, I literally created a quiz that we might end up using for our website, and I was just you know just testing the tool out. And so this this no code revolution is definitely here to stay. Was that something that you kind of first realized was coming down the pipeline early on? Were you an early adopter in this kind of no code revolution, or did you see the wave from a distance, you know before it came because it seems like it's a big play for brands? And I know for companies like us to be able to move that quickly and spin up and use the tool like a quiz or, you know, any kind of a outcome-based tool that I can throw on my site or a landing page within an hour is pretty awesome.
0: For sure. I think initially our founders uh, had a company that was allowing people to make apps. So this was like back in the noughties ah. when, uh, back in the noughties when, uh, The iPhone, you know, because everything, we think of the no code revolution as like uh, something that is very new, but the point is it's in the making, but also another thing to note is everything is happening so fast now that the AI revolution is the, the key revolution that's happening is the AI revolution and no code is a part of it. Because when we enter that territory, no code and AI is basically just telling you, you don't really need to know uh, you know much about coding and all that you know, deeper stuff. Uh, you just need to know the basics of like, you know, building something. But initially, uh, our founders had a company that was helping people you know back uh, when the iPhone had just launched and the App Store was a new thing. And everyone, every single person you met had this new idea for an app. Right. So uh, but no one knew how an app is made. And I was like, everyone was like, you know, if you don't know coding, we don't know how an app is made. So uh, our founders made a calculator that would allow people to find out anyone on the Internet. You go to that website and you can find out based on the questions you answer, like, you know, which store do you want to put your app on the Google Play Store or the App Store? How many pages does your app supposed to have? Where do you want to have your developers team? So as you answer these questions, uh, the calculator would show you a figure like a concrete figure as to how much it's going to cost you to build an app. And this calculator went viral on the internet in the 2000s. It became the go-to place for people to figure out how much it's going to cost them to realize the next big idea. And that gave our founders the idea, what if we allowed people to make calculators like these? What if we allowed businesses to make these tools easily, like calculators that tell you an estimated cost of a thing, or a quiz that helps you choose because there's so much choice paralysis when I end up on someone's website. So even like as you as a podcaster, if on your website, I put a quiz saying, which of my episodes should I listen? Uh, should you listen to first? Because you know there are tons of episodes. And then you ask them a particular question about the industry, you know what they're aiming for, blah, blah, blah. And then you give them two or three episodes to listen to. You're making choosing easier for them because there's just so much noise on the internet. So that was the beginning of it and it's like before the term no code even became famous we were kind of in it already so i think we just got like pulled up with the wave when the marketing came around no code it just pulled us up and flung us in the air and we've just been enjoying ever since
1: <laughs> I love it and then you now you have the technical background as well so Did you get into the product, the dev side of the product is because you have that background or did you just support that team in different ways?
0: No, I actually started from uh, the marketing side itself. Ah, And uh, yeah, so, uh, but then eventually we got more and more involved in like the product development itself.
1: Got it. Okay.
0: And so it became like a combination of both. Yeah.
1: So you've been there now, I think I saw it over, was it over four years?
0: I think so. I've lost track because time time moves differently. I think.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I always love asking leaders this question. And I'm curious now, because you, you've been there four years, yeah. lots of interesting things have happened in your time there. What's been your most, like your biggest win in the four years, like the, your best day? And then what's been your most challenging day?
0: Oh, that's an interesting question. I think the best day is the power that no code gives you, which allows you to see marketing differently and to see the entire marketing game differently and to understand that it's a game. The best day has been the unexpected successes, which are really unexpected, like something absolutely easy to make that somehow just really goes viral as a marketing campaign. One of the things we did, and it's, it's not the best, but I'm giving you an example of why this is best because any marketing campaign that you do, and, and you can take it in writing from me. And if you prove me wrong, you can take me to court. But the, <laughs> any marketing you do, 60% of it is going to be based on luck. And only 40% of it is going to be based on all the hard work you put in. And I'm, I'm like, I think these are like kind of uh, suppressed figures. I think it might be as bad as 70% luck and 30% uh, how hard you work. And a no code tool allows you to make sure you're not working that hard. Do you get it? Like you don't really have to involve like 400 developers into making the next big idea, which actually doesn't happen to be the big idea. So some of the smaller things we did, like, you know, uh, to promote our own product, because essentially it's an all-in-one interactive content builder. That's what Outgrow is. And so you can make a quiz on it. And one of the first companies that make quizzes famous was BuzzFeed. Mm-hmm. So when 2020 came along and there was a disaster after disaster after disaster, you know, first there was a the coronavirus. Then at the beginning of the year, there was like a nuclear crisis with Iran, almost a World War III that was going to happen. And then the murder hornets, I don't know whether you heard about them, then hurricanes and then tornadoes, all of these things like came along and then wildfires in California. So towards October, we kind of like got the public vein on how frustrated everyone is with 2020. So we made a quiz, BuzzFeed style that said, which 2020 disaster are you? And that ranked number four on product hunt. And it's, I'm not even kidding. We, it just took us less than an hour to make this. So, so the point is the no, a no-code tool uh, literally gives you the ability to like make all sorts of fun, trending marketing around your product that's going to engage users, uh, you can send your message out based on trending events, you know, so that would be one of the biggest successes and uh, is to understand how much of a game it is and how easy it is to play the game. If you don't invest too much into the game, uh, but you invest in like, you know, learning basics, like no code tools. The hardest day I would say is I guess negotiating, which is again, like coming back to no code tools, the hardest part of the job is negotiating with developers. It is absolutely unnecessary. It is energy draining. And I just, at this point, I don't even do it myself. I just assign someone else to do it for me. Because like, I'm just like, I don't want to get involved in like uh, endless discussions about what is to be done in whatever possible ba- way based on like how they're thinking versus how you're thinking. Because one thing to understand, especially in marketing, that the market does not favor your skills of coding or how great a developer you are. What the market favors is creativity because the market can easily hire developers. They're easily available in different continents for different prices. What is not easily available is creativity. And creativity is something that shouldn't get boggled down in arguing with dev. So, so I think the, uh, key lesson and the hardest day has been, you know, arguing with like, you know, uh, developers or like, you know, trying to get them to do stuff. But what has liberated from me, uh, me from this is also no code tools, but I actually don't need them anymore. Right. And I don't think in the future you would need them either. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. That's, that's interesting. And you know, something I'm curious about because look, you've got, you know, you outgrow as a business, you create things like calculators, assessments, recommendations, surveys, quizzes, giveaways, chatbots, polls, all these amazing tools. Now, you're also using these tools yourself, you said. How often are you split testing these tools and improving upon these tools? Because, I mean, to me, it's like you have all this arsenal. They're all really cool tools, and you can make tweaks and changes to them in a thousand ways, right? But how much is, is the team and yourself you know, constantly iterating on these tools and saying, okay, look, that calculator worked well, but let's split test it and try this, right? Or this giveaway worked pretty good, but what if we did this? How much of that is existing for the Outgrow marketing team across this portfolio of products.
0: For sure. I'm like not just for us, but like for any customers. So the easiest way to like go about like doing something on Outgrow is that you go on a website, you go to the templates section and you click on trending templates or you click on search by industry and it's going to filter templates that already exist, like a thousand contest templates, like a thousand chatbot templates. They're already there because we've split tested them anyway. But you pick one. And you put your company's colors, logos, everything, you know, there are chatbots that are guiding people through every single funnel imaginable that you can put on your website. So you just take that, you put it there. But this is the starting point. And that's the thing, all the split testing that we have done and put a template out there is the starting point for your business, where you take this and you're like, oh, I can make something better out of this. Do you get it? It's already a professionally designed template. And you are like, oh, let me play around with this because I can, and I don't need to like, you know, fight with developers to play with this. So uh, what you can easily do is you get a chatbot template, you customize it, add your own questions, et cetera. And then as no code works, there's a very simple function called duplicate. So you just duplicate that chatbot into three chatbots and you put three of them on your website in different instances. And then you measure which one is working better. And there's actually tracking where you can see all this data, you know, how people are funneling through. And so people are able to do it themselves. And it's really easy to do. Uh, And that is why I think the analytics part is like such an important part of the software as well, because you can keep constantly improving on what's already there. And I think to make something great or new, you have to be creative and like go and test yourself out in the builder. But I think there isn't that, that famous, I think Einstein quote, which goes like, oh, I've stood on the shoulders of giants and that's why I've made what I've made. It's not that I am a giant, I'm standing on what has been built before. So I think that's the, the uh, power of no good tools and templates that you can use.
1: I love that. You know, that's actually one of my favorite quotes. And on that note, who are some folks, speaking of giants that you maybe have stood on the shoulders of, who are some folks that maybe inspired you, uh, marketers, entrepreneurs, authors, anyone that has kind of really helped kind of catapult you towards this really cool career?
0: That's an interesting, well, I guess all sorts of teachers in the past to start with, but some people that really come to mind, I really absolutely love the uh, vice chairman of Ogilvy in London. His name is Rory Sutherland. I don't know whether you've interviewed him ever, but he's amazing. And I think his talent is not in like, you know, developing or coding or any of that, any of that. His talent is in understanding how things work is in understanding, you know, what is the basic psychology behind why we do things that we do. And marketing is a lot about that. And also understanding that, uh, I think I I remember his rules of marketing is one, that there are no rules. And two, uh, that even if there are some rules, you can change them. And three is that you can change the entire context. So like when I came to this interview and I said, oh, but marketing isn't really a science. It's not, isn't really a subject. It doesn't even mean anything like, you know, marketing is to think about this term that the industry has been given and what it's making people do and how you can do differently from what everyone is doing because they think they're in marketing, which really doesn't mean anything. So, mm. but yeah, so that's one person. The other people are people, well, one person I've actually had a fight with through my company's account. So he stands out, Python Levels. He's, uh, he's the person who founded Nomad's List. Uh, he made a calculator, not on our software, but we had a fight with him about it. But anyway, he made a calculator, which was really nice. It would, it would show you how you can retire early it was a calculator where you just input your details and it would show you in which city of the world you can retire early by turning into a digital nomad or by, you know, availing your pension in that city. And he's founded nomadlist.com, which is where you basically go on that website and you're able to like basically see which countries you can live in for cheap. But so he's one person who inspired me. And one of the things is because when I was going to his Twitter in the middle of the fight, I realized that he's famous for being a person who made 12 startups in 12 months and that is the key philosophy you have to be aiming for because 80%, as I said, well, I keep increasing the figure, but 70% is luck and 30% is hard work. But Piter levels realized that, you know what? It's easy for me to make this. So he made like, you know, 12 startups in 12 months, which is like, and he expects half of them to fail, but the other half, you know, survive because he has so many ideas. And he's constantly doing it. So like, don't invest too much uh, into one thing. Just uh, let the idea play and let the market carry you in its wave in itself. So yeah.
1: Mm. What are, you know, you're a guy that you said yourself kind of was into really being on top of trends, right? And like following trends. And so Hmm. it seems like the tools that Outgrow creates is also giving you and your team a lot of data into some of these industries as to what sorts of tools are working better than others. Can you share any examples of, you know, because there's a list of tools, but are you seeing maybe your top two tools in the B2C world or the B2B world or any kind of like context around what you're seeing. Cause you've probably got a lot of really cool data. As you look across the different industries you're helping, are you noticing, you know, some of these no code tools be used more frequently or you, you know, where, or is it really just a wide range and it just depends.
0: I mean, we solve like 21 different industries. So it's like, uh, it's like a universe in each industry. So if I get into like one industry, I could like do like a thesis on that industry on how it's using no code tools. But some of the interesting examples I can give you is like by what is happening in uh the world right now, for instance, social commerce is just such a, it's just taking off like, you know, all these, uh for instance, the Chinese app Shine is like such a big key player in that market now, but in short, but Amazon and everyone also had it. Uh, but one of the things about social commerce is that uh, you can use no code tools and how people have been using no code tools in social commerce, for instance, is, you know, when you walk into a sunglasses store, uh, you want to buy a pair of shades like in the physical world, in the real world, uh, there's a shop assistant who's able to tell you that based on your face shape your eye color, uh, your hair shape, uh, hair shape, hair, haircut, hairstyle, and everything, uh, what kind of sunglasses would suit your face the best? And you also ask you questions like, you know, what kind of actors do you like or what kind of celebrities are you following? And I can show you sunglasses based on that. It's getting rid of choice paralysis, decision fatigue that everyone has. There's too much out there. You know, there are companies like AliExpress, et cetera, manipulating prices so you can get everything for cheap and there's no taste left. Uh, So, how do you market yourself in uh, stuff like uh, in an environment like this? And that's why the internet world has to go back to the physical world and learn what was happening there. And so you can build. So one of the uh, tools type is an e-commerce recommendation quiz, which asks you these questions: your face shape, your eye color, you know, your nose shape, your uh, hair color, hair, blah blah blah. And then it's able to recommend you, and also like your favorite actors and everything. And it's able to recommend you two or three products in a portfolio that you can pick from. And influencers basically on Instagram and everywhere, but also people putting it on websites. This quiz, but also influencers on Instagram, TikTok they put this link in their uh, you know, profile description. So people are able to just click on that and they're able to like, you know, pick the sunglasses they like and it redirects them to the affiliate marketer, et cetera, et cetera. So it's basically uh, that's one place that we've seen people like, you know, use it a lot. Another place that I can give you is the B2B example is the easiest one is a return of investment calculator like HubSpot has it on their website, right? Because the point is when you're selling a service instead of a product, when you're selling a service, it's hard to show. What is the immediate value? Like when I give you sunglasses, you have them in your hands and you're like, okay, uh, I got something for my money. But if I, uh, you give me money and I'm like, oh, you're going to see these results in like some time, you're going to be a little suspicious. So ROI calculator, return of investment calculator is just able to show people over time in two years time and three years time and four years time graphically, how much they're going to improve uh, their company by using this service. So that's how a B2B company can use it. And another example that I give is like of a lawyer, for instance. So uh, say you're a lawyer and the only thing on your website is a button that says, uh, contact me with your awards and everything, right? But I'm really, how do you stand out from like, you know, a billion other lawyers on the internet out there? But instead, if you have a quiz on your website that goes, uh, see how much I can save you in legal fees, or like uh, another quiz that says, uh, which state should you incorporate your business in? Right uh, Which asks you a couple of relevant questions regarding your business and is able to then tell you you uh, can ask a lead gen just before you give them this information, but give them relevant information, have a lead gen before. And this way you're able to really give them some value and you that person enters your funnel. so, so that is I think what the internet is becoming. The internet is becoming a value exchange service where, you know, I, I trust you're going to give me some informational value so you can take my email in return and then try your best to convert me later. So I think that is uh, some of the ways in which our software is being used.
1: Talk about AI. How are you using AI right now in some, maybe some use cases?
0: Uh, well, it's not AI particularly, it's just logic-based. So I wouldn't like go ahead and say it's like full-on AI. Well, it's easy to like, you know, claim that, but I don't like to. I think the AI revolution is carrying no code along with it because no code is one of the key essentials to like making AI possible in the first place. So I think, I don't know whether you've seen these historical predictions about how, you know, uh, the previous age was the internet age and the mechanization age. The next stage is the AI age, no code age and the robotic and clean tech age. But these are all going together because all of these uh, are kind of interrelated. So no code goes hand in hand with AI and AI goes hand in hand with robotics and clean tech kind of goes hand in hand with all of that. So uh, that is how we are uh, actually uh, getting along with AI, but not we're not AI yet.
1: How do you see interactive content building innovating like where is this where is this this particular industry going
0: well interactive content um is at present i think it aims to let's just say it aims to be a place where there can be uh, easier and easier interaction as compared to static content, because we're still looking at there's like so much static content online. Like when you look at blogs, sure. uh, when you look at infographics, all of these are static. But we, you, I don't know whether you've seen, but they're interactive infographics now. You know where uh, you enter some data and you you see an infographic tailored to you. So the interactive content is kind of moving to eliminate the staticity of the internet in its sense. So I think that's where uh, interactive content is headed, and there's still a lot of work to be done. I think it would be exponential progress, but at the same time, uh, I think it is something that is going to happen.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's interesting to, as you said, it. Like I like how you lumped in no code AI. Like there's a lot of stuff that's going to be moving together. It just makes sense as you know, the industries all evolve, but certainly the tools will evolve and the, and the seamlessness will evolve. Let's shift and talk about the customer experience and how you kind of view that in terms of how people are engaging with Outgrow. And what's your philosophy on, on the customer experience and customer engagement? If someone like me or someone new begins to interact with your brand, walk us through kind of the story of what someone, what the outcome of that would be and how you think about that as a marketing leader.
0: Well, A, because it's interactive, it's going to be more fun. So there's like gamification, right? So that is key because when I'm reading a blog, I'm usually like, if you're really unable to capture my attention for more than five seconds, I'm probably like five websites away. Like <laughs> together. That's how fast I'm moving. Uh, even like when you look at like major news websites like BBC and CNN, now they have like quiz of the week where you're able to like test your knowledge of the current affairs, et cetera, et cetera, because they're trying to engage you. And also when you look at articles on the BBC in particular, uh, you can see how much, uh, how simple they are. Because the age of like complex writing and like great blogs point making is over. It's very simple, short paragraphs. That's how they're going. And then they have a quiz of the week or like an interactive, uh, you know, content piece, a quiz or a calculator to show you like something you can like play with. To make you stay on the website longer, because that is a key thing that you want the visitor to do from a marketer's perspective. And from uh, the marketing viewpoint, this is great because A, you get so much website visitor data and that you can recycle for marketing. Like you get to see who's visiting your website. Like why are they visiting your website? What is leading them away? Like at what point of the quiz did they leave? Was the quiz too long? Uh, you're able to like then tailor your website like even when i go back to that like you know example of the lawyer where he's put this quiz on his website saying oh which state should you incorporate your business in and in that quiz if he has a question like you know one of the questions is which state are you from or like uh which state would you want to be in or like pick the states which you'd rather be in or like you know why do you want to move your business uh what kind, what are you looking for uh cheaper labor or like cheaper tax rates blah 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 so, you know the more of these answered questions that people People are answering. You're literally collecting information about the kind of people that are coming to your website, and you can tailor your services then based on. Uh, you know, you can completely change your service model because you understand who's coming to your website now. Uh, so, I think that is a key way in which you understand customer experience and you understand the customer themselves. So, I think these are the two key important points to know.
1: Hmm. What do you think about when you think of like 360 marketing or omni-channel marketing? Like, how do you approach that? Or comes to mind when you think of those things?
0: Well, I think it's helpful to try to think of it from a 360 degrees view, because there's so much in marketing that can be recycled. Like something you made today or like a year back, if like, you know, if somehow TikTok gains popularity during the pandemic, put everything on TikTok, you get it. Like there's untapped potential in a lot of things. And the more you listen it's easier to recycle so like in my case when i think of omnichannel marketing i mostly think of how i can recycle the stuff that's doing well on one particular channel into other different channels i'm not necessarily thinking of investing more resources i'm mostly thinking of recycling and reducing and reusing so uh that is what i would think of omnichannel marketing i don't need to have my fingers in all pies but uh i would like to get a taste of the pie anyways you get it like so i i think there is something to be missed out yes but also uh, you don't really have to uh invest too much in cases not working for you like you don't have to like be like oh why is that channel not working for us and why are we not on every single platform alive and i think the rise and the I don't know whether it's happened yet, but the demise of Clubhouse is, is I think, uh, is one of the uh, stories that could be uh, uh, given in that regard. Because everyone's just like, oh, get your stuff on Clubhouse. But I really don't know who is on Clubhouse right now. And, <laughs> and I, I ha- it's come to this point that I don't even check the traffic on Clubhouse anymore. At one point, I was checking the monthly visitors and, you know, the available uh, website traffic on Clubhouse. But now I don't even check it because I just don't feel... <laughs> It's, yeah, but I don't know.
1: <laughs> yeah, it seems like there was quite the, of course, the global interest in, yeah. in Clubhouse that is now, seems like it's waning. Yeah. And some say it's going to die, but we'll see.
0: We'll see. I mean, it might come back. But on the other hand, people always go on about TikTok saying, oh, TikTok is just for kids and blah, blah, blah. But I really think that TikTok is actually huge. And I, I feel odd that I have to say it on a podcast in 2021. Yeah. But there was like points in 2020 when people wouldn't believe me. and i was just like, but it is have you been on TikTok? Like, do you know how much better its algorithm is than like Instagram? Like it is so good Mm -hmm. at like finding stuff that is good. And uh, there's so much about that platform that I think is so promising. So once you get a feeling or like it doesn't have to be like what others are thinking about, but if you get a feeling that a platform you think is good, then you should probably try it out because you're probably instinctually going in the right direction, I'd say.
1: Yeah, that's awesome.
0: One of the things to note from interactive content that I haven't talked about is that it gives you the ability not just to generate leads because you're obviously generating leads every time you put a quiz, calculator, assessment, you know, contest. But what, what it also gives you is the ability because the more questions are in there, the more gamified it is, the more steps people have to pass through the more the lead is getting qualified. Uh, So, you know, it's uh, only the key leads. You can actually segment everyone who passes through your interactive content funnel to different sales departments based on like, you know, how they're answering the questions. So there can be categorization of all these uh, audiences that are getting funneled through. So you can have particular strategies for like, you know, following up with everyone. And you can show completely different questions to people based on how they're answering questions, right? So you can take them to a different part of their website or ask them different questions altogether because the quiz kind of logic jumps and branches into, you know, uh, deeper uh, aspects. Or, but the point is, I think all of this boils down to is personalization. So every time I go on a website, I get exactly what I'm looking for, which is something important in a world where there's too much noise and it's hard to make a decision. Mm,
1: I love that. Cool. Well, let's go to the lightning round. I have some kind of cool Salesforce lightning round questions, and then we can, we can wrap up. This, is, this has been awesome. Marketing Trends podcast is brought to you by Salesforce. Salesforce brings marketing and engagement together. Learn more at salesforce.com forward slash marketing. We've got Saksham on the show. Saksham, first question, lightning round. How do you best relax? What do you do for fun?
0: I play video games.
1: (laughs) Yes. What video game? What's some video games you're into?
0: I literally been playing one video game for the past seven years. It's called Heroes of the Storm. Uh, It's publicly, it's freely available, but it's, I'm the kind of person who it's hard for me to learn new games. I just play the same games again and again and again.
1: (laughs) Okay. If you weren't in marketing, what would you be doing?
0: I would probably be teaching, I suppose. Yeah. I guess, Mm, yeah.
1: Teaching, what would you be teaching?
0: I'd be teaching psychology, I think. Well, something related to psychology, something unorthodox, which (laughs) not that psychology is unorthodox, but something odd.
1: (laughs) Okay, okay. Do you have a favorite band or artist?
0: I like... Oh, yes, Hans Zimmer. I would say Hans Zimmer, who's not... Oh uh, there's a Yes.
1: Hans Zimmer, great. Hans Zimmer is awesome.
0: I love Hans Zimmer. I, I'm, I'm into soundtracks, actually, which is what I do to relax as well. I just listen to soundtracks. Yeah.
1: Okay. I love it. That's great. I, I share that. Not a lot of people are into soundtracks like me, so I, I, I appreciate that. <laughs> great. What maybe has been a favorite ad you've seen or a favorite campaign you've seen?
0: Favorite ad or a favorite campaign? I mean... It just comes to mind. I couldn't say it's favorite because it's a lightning round and I don't have much time to think. But what comes to mind is the Volvo ad in which the guy did a split between the two Volvos to Enya's music. I think that was quite impressionistic. It made an impression and it comes to my mind when someone in lightning round asked me for a favorite campaign. So
1: that must be it. (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. Last question. What advice do you have for a first time CMO? A
0: first time CMO can subscribe to the newsletters of all his rival CMOs and uh, build on their strategies.
1: (laughs) Mm, That's smart. I like it. Cool. Well, Saksham, thank you so much for being on the show. It's been a privilege. I personally love the space that you're in, this content marketing, content building space. Your tool is very cool. Uh, We're going to share a a URL link for those who want to go get a free, free access to the tool I actually did before the show And it's dope. So Saksham, thanks for being here. We loved having you, man. Have a great rest of your day and an awesome rest of your week. Thanks
0: so much for having me, Jeremy.
1: You have eight seconds to make a connection or risk a click away onto the next topic.